the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to the Dan Prof Show, where we return to the matter of K through 12 education uh, and uh, providing a good example that uh, you don't have to live the way that people are living in Chicago, New York, L.A., elsewhere, Oregon where your kid is being prevented from accessing his school. You don't have to live that way. And this is not yet another story about South Dakota or Florida. It's actually a story about Iowa. And Iowa Republican Governor Kim Reynolds, she just recently signed a bill into law that requires every public and accredited private school in her state to offer in-person learning five days a week. Everyone. Every public every accredited private in her state to offer in-person learning five days a week. She makes the um, comments you have heard and would expect to hear kids falling behind, so on and so forth. But I think it was instructive. um, One Zoom call she observed that uh, perhaps pushed her over the edge on this. At one meeting, according to the governor, a parent who's a professor at Iowa State University explained that uh, she was teaching in person and uh, she offered to walk her kid's school board through the mitigation measures the universities had put in place. And the response that the professor from Iowa State got, go pound it. They said, if you want your child to be in the classroom, then you should just go buy a house in the neighboring district, according to Kim Reynolds. Now, how just unconscionable is that? Well, Welcome to who's in control of your schools and to the extent that you have any influence, any influence in the operation of your kids' schools, you can assess that by looking at whether or not your kids' school is open at all or whether you need a governor to come in over the top like Kim Reynolds did. I mean, it's just remarkable, isn't it? Iowa State professor, well, here's how we're doing at Iowa State. So tell me again how we all want kids to be back in school, but we want it to be safe. What's happening at Iowa State, by the way, with older kids at the collegiate level and older professors, generally speaking, than the teachers at the K-12 through level. So thus, they are more exposed, still infinitesimally, unless they're over the age of 60 or 65, but more so than younger K-12 through teachers and younger K-12 through students. Doesn't matter. Don't want to hear it. They're so constructive. And then there's the hypocrisy, which abounds, because these teachers' union bosses— And so many of these school board members and school administrators, at least those that are lockdown enthusiasts, are just like the politicians. The head of the California Teachers Union in Berkeley that uh, dropped his kid off to uh, in-person learning at her school while advocating for the schools to be shut down. The this this is I I love sort of the uh, rationalizations too. the. uh, superintendent in Alexandria City, Virginia, who uh, has always been proud to call himself a parent of two children who attend public school, 
until he had to make a change. He pulled one of his kids from public school, which was remaining all virtual, to the frustration of many parents, apparently including him, and instead enrolled the child in a private Catholic high school, currently following a hybrid model. I can confirm that our family made a decision to change my daughter's school this school year, said Alexandria City Public School Superintendent Gregory Hutchings. Decisions like these are very personal family decisions and are not taken lightly. This in no way impacts my absolute lifelong commitment to public education, to which I remain as personally dedicated as ever. Well, isn't that good to know, Superintendent Hutchings? That's so great. Superintendent Hutchings, who warned pod-based learning, creates inequities. You know, parents getting together to educate their kids when you have schools that are just operating virtually. He wagged his finger at that. No, 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 no. That creates inequities. But his daughter going to a Catholic school that's doing in-person education as opposed to the public school that wasn't, that doesn't create any inequities, or at least not any inequities he's concerned about. You know why? Because it's his daughter. And these are very personal decisions. I don't want to talk about my daughter. How dare you talk about my daughter? You know, like that routine too. How dare you talk about my children? How dare you feel my, me dropping off my children? Oh, of course, these are private matters. This is my family. It's all very personal and private for me. You can't connect to what I do privately what I do privately. You can't connect that, the decisions I make for my children, with the decisions I make for your children. It's a fascinating position he's taken. I don't know who buys that, but apparently some do. That's how, no much, that's how you know how much control you have, where somebody like Superintendent Hutchings or the Berkeley Teachers Union boss or that uh, school board that told the Iowa, in Iowa that told the Iowa State professor to go pound it. That's how you know just exactly what control you do not have over your child's education, how little those in control are interested in your viewpoint on your child's education, and how desperately you should want to get your child out of any school system in which those individuals are in decision-making positions. This is Dan Listen, the more you'll know. This is this is the Dan Proft Show. Welcome back to the show. Continuing on the topic of education, uh, but getting specific here with STEM, and even more specific with uh, higher ed, although not limited to it. This uh, very interesting op-ed from uh, that was posted by Barry Weiss at her space on Substack. It's a uh, guest op-ed from a Princeton University math professor named Sergei Kleinerman. He's Romanian. He uh, writes, In my position uh, as a professor of math at Princeton, I've witnessed the decline of universities and cultural institutions as they've embraced political ideology at the expense of rigorous, rigorous scholarship. And then this statement, which is rather a remarkable one, considering what's been happening at the Ivy League for in the Ivy League schools for some time. It's a remarkable statement he makes, but I understand he's focused on his work and trying to stay away from politics. It's hard. It's hard to ignore what's happening. But he writes, until recently, this past summer really, I had naively thought that the STEM disciplines would be spared from this ideological takeover. Particularly surprising uh, surprise, considering uh, you know he knows something about um, 
growing up on uh, under totalitarianism with uh, Ceausescu's brand of communism in Romania, as if any any space in society is spared. It isn't. He admits, I was wrong. A- attempt to deconstruct mathematics, deny its objectivity, accuse it of racial bias, and infuse it with political ideology had become more and more common. Perhaps even at your child's elementary school. Yes, now he's really waking up to what's happening. Unlike the tr- This is a key, though this comparison he makes between the traditional totalitarianism with which he is familiar to this cultural brand of totalitarianism that we see happening in all of the civic and cultural institutions in America. He writes, unlike the traditional totalitarianism practiced by former communist countries like the Romania I grew up in, this version, what he's experiencing now, what he sees in STEM, including math. This version is soft. It enforces its ideology not by jailing dissenters or physically eliminating them, but by socially shaming, mob punishment, guilt by association, and coerced speech. When it comes to education, I believe the woke ideology is even more harmful than old-fashioned communism. Just take that statement in for a minute, won't you? When it comes to education, I believe the woke ideology is even more harmful than old-fashioned communism. Princeton math professor said that. That should be a jarring statement if it's not. He explained, being the logical mathematician he is, communism had a strong sense of objective reality anchored in the belief that humans are capable of discovering universal truths. It forcefully asserted, in fact, the absolute truth of dialectical materialism as revealed by its founders, Marx, Engels, and Lenin. With a little help from Hegel, I'd add. Communist ideology held science and mathematics in the highest regard, even though it often distorted the former for doctrinal reasons. Mathematics was largely immune to ideological pressure and thus derived and thus thrived in most communist countries. He writes, being skilled in math was a source of great societal prestige for school children, and it was a great equalizer. Those from socioeconomically disadvantaged families had a chance to compete on equal footing with those from privileged ones. And he was drawn to math, and he was able to do just that. The woke ideology, on the other hand, treats both science and mathematics as social constructs and condemns the way they are practiced in research and teaching as manifestations of white supremacy, Eurocentrism, and postcolonialism. And guess who's promoting that, financing that? woke ideology and the programs that follow the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. There they are again. The uh, program they're financing, Pathway to Equitable Math Instruction, argues white supremacy culture shows up in the classroom when the focus is on getting the right answer or when students are required to show their work while stipulating that the very concept of mathematics being purely objective is unequivocally false. In the past, writes Professor he would have dismissed such statements, ignored them. They're too radical. They don't need comment. But he writes, recent trends across the country suggest that we no longer have that luxury. Hmm. Going back to something he said, too, about um, math being the great equalizer. Those from socioeconomically disadvantaged families had a chance to compete on equal footing with those from privileged ones. Uh, That folds in John McWhorter, another Ivy League professor, mentioned on the show before, 
linguistics professor at Columbia University, uh, black American gentleman. And he tackles the question, is it racist to expect black kids to do math for real? And he references a document called Dismantling Racism in Mathematics Instruction, put together by educators, probably the same educators that just knocked half a dozen Dr. Seuss books out of publication. Mm-hmm. Um, he writes of them, this lovely pamphlet is teaching us what that teaching us that it is racist to expect black kids to master the precision of math to wit its message penned by people who consider themselves some of the most morally advanced souls in the history of the human species is one that Strom Thurmond would have happily taken a swig of whiskey to. His overarching point that he makes quite bluntly and eloquently because he is an eloquent uh, rhetorician as well as writer. The entire document is focused on the idea that making black kids be precise is immoral. The thrust of the pamphlet is a focus on getting the right answers, perfectionism and either or thinking. The idea that teachers are teachers and students are learners is wrong. To think of a problem that the expectations you have for students are to think of it as a problem that the expectations you have for students are not met, that's racist. To teach math in a linear fashion with skills taught in sequence, that's racist. To require students to show their work, that's racist. To require students to raise their hand before speaking can reinforce paternalism and power hoarding in addition to breaking the process of thinking, learning, and communicating. McWhorter writes, to distrust this document is not to be against social justice, but against racism. He says of this idea that black kids should not be expected to master the precision of math. This is bigotry right out of Reconstruction, Tulsa, Selma, and Charlottesville. This is Dan Proctor. Podcast of the show at danproftshow.com.